You have to forgive uh, Brother Edwards here. That was his first time reading Luke before, so you know, he, ne- he, doesn't, he doesn't read the Bible much. So, yeah, he gets, thank you for reading, Brother. That was awesome. Yes. Oh, all right. Good morning. It's good to see you all. I hope you guys had a redemptive weekend. I know it's not always easy this time of year, but uh, I hope that God was with you with whatever you're going through. Uh, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for December. Thank you for your one big family. Thank you that we can be a part of it, dear God. And please uh, help us to uh, love one another and love you and uh, create your and just acknowledge and live and dwell and abide in your family here on earth. In your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, yes, uh, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to start at Genesis one twenty six uh, and move through verse Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Yes, as I assured people who, inquiring minds, looking at the thing, looking at the uh, bulletin, this is a Christmas message. Do not let your heart be troubled. It will get to Christmas sooner or later, Lord willing. Uh, and uh, we are on uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It feels like no matter what scripture reference I give, it always creeps either before or after. It's like verse creep, scripture, scripture creep. Uh, verse 126, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Masculine and feminine, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the ground. God bless you. God, thank you, and God bless the word of God. I'm so grateful we have the privilege to read this openly. Wow. And let them have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Got to put that earth in check. That earth's getting attitudinal. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This, is a, this isn't like one of those Bible verses that everyone learns about in Sunday school and then remembers forever, but it's actually a really important book like verse in theology and philosophy historically for like all the last 1,000 years. Uh, we get two ideas here that are really wed together in the Hebrew mind. Uh, first of all, man is made in God's image. Sorry, man and woman, male and female, he created them. Men, man, men and women, when we say man here, we mean men and women. Men and women uh, are both made in God's image, and they are given dominion and a command. They're giving a blessing and a command. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky. Uh, and we get a really, really, this is a really, really big idea. Uh, this is why if you were a Pharisee 
or you know, the daughter or would-be wife of a Pharisee, uh, you had to get married right away. That's the first thing you need to realize. Paul was married. If you were a good Jew, you got married as soon as you could afford to, uh, which for a female back in the time, it was like, what, I don't know, 14, 15, 16. Uh, and then if you were a man, that probably meant you were like 30, because back then it just took that long to afford to buy it, to like save up enough money, to have enough money to afford to buy a house and things. Uh, oh, thanks, honey. All right. Okay. And uh, so... Uh, oh my gosh, all right, so, and uh, what we often forget, or what we don't even realize, is that this is a big deal to God. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. This is before the fall, before temptation and forbidden fruit and sin and desire and all that stuff, God gave Adam and Eve the burden and responsibility to be fruitful and multiply. He, uh, he made them, that's why he said he made them male and female. He created them with genders just like the rest of the mammals, and he wanted them to be fruitful and multiply just like the rest of the mammals. Why would he do that? Uh, well, we get told in the next verse. Uh, he wants us to fill the earth and subdue it. Put that earth in check and rule over the fish of the seeds, rule over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's almost like if God is above us in some like Amway pyramid scheme where we have to sell soap, we're above, the animals are in our downline, okay? They don't, they, they never get to go to the nice little, you know, million dollar sellers cruise that only the gods of multi-level marketing get to go to every year because they sell enough Lululemon or what is it, LuLaRoe, sorry, whatever. No, they're like the people in our downline that go out there and just, you know, try to, you know, make money for us. Uh, but yeah, those fish of the sea and those birds of the sky, those, those are like the, the, the closest they ever get to God or to the crews to hang out with the anointed pantheon of multi-level marketers is us, okay? We are basically the image of God for them. Because this earth, it was a beautiful earth, but it it wasn't Eden, it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't put in order. It had all the raw materials, but it was basically a jungle out there, and God wanted it to be a garden like on Eden, a garden where his presence was fit to dwell. Because that was the beautiful thing about Eden. Eden was basically a beautiful garden, or a palace garden court, like an outdoor courtyard, up on top of some giant mountain. This is what they believed, if you read Ezekiel. And because of this outdoor, like within this giant uh, palace, there's an indoor courtyard, an indoor garden. And God's presence was fit to dwell there with his human creation. But God thought two humans weren't enough. He wanted, God thought this one little slice of earth, this one little place that he exhibited, that he existed on earth. When God would come down from heaven, apparently he only came down to this little mountaintop and, and then dwelt with his human family on this little sliver of earth uh, called Eden, which was, the garden on, which, which was the garden inside the palace on top of the mountain. But God was like, I want to make the whole earth fit for my presence. I want the whole earth to be a garden of delight 
that's worthy of my presence and my family. And so he was like, man, Adam and Eve can barely keep a handle on this Garden of Eden here up, up inside the palace. We're going to need more humans. That earth is big. When you go down that mountain, there's just there's hills and valleys and tropical Azores. There's beautiful mountains like the Azores. And, you know, we're going to need more people. So God was like, Adam and Eve, you need to get busy. We need more humans. We need humans everywhere to turn every little corner of earth into a beautiful garden so that I can go there and, you know, visit them and hang out with them. And we can all be one beautiful family over the entire earth. And this is the reason that God gave this quote-unquote dominion mandate. Uh, he wanted to make the world a beautiful garden paradise. And to do that, he needed Adam and Eve to have lots and lots and lots of kids. Okay? Because God wanted a big family of humans. He wanted grandkids. Who loves their grandkid more than who loves their grandkids more than their kids? Let's be honest. No one, none of you are gonna raise your hands. Okay, we got we got one honest person nodding. Okay, yes, of course you love your grandkids more than your kids. Grandkids are pure gold. Why? Because that comes from God, okay? God loves his grandkids more than his kids, too. Uh, yeah, and so that's where that comes from. And, you know, God was like, Adam and Eve, I love you guys, but I want grandkids. And, and I don't want your grandkids to be bored, and I don't want you guys to, like, get stuck inside this little temple and fight, okay? So I need y'all to spread out across the earth. So the ideal was, if there hadn't been a fall, that Adam and Eve would keep reproducing, and their kids would reproduce, and you'd have, God would have grandkids and great-grandkids, and they'd gradually move out over the whole earth and turn the whole earth into a beautiful, productive paradise. Pretty awesome, huh? And then God would go walk with everybody in the cool of the day, and it would be so cool. And because God wanted a big family, and this is the cool thing about God, uh, heaven is not going to be like a boring church service like this, okay? No. Heaven is way better than a never-ending church service. Oh, gosh. I don't think I'd want to go to heaven if it was a never-ending church service or a never-ending church meet-and-greet or a never-ending question-and-answer Bible study with Jesus. Who, be honest, who really wants to go to that? Who wants to be in church all day the rest of your life? Okay, none? Good. I know. Paying your dues, spending an hour a week with that boring, angry, mad God at church. It pays off dividends in the long run. Kind of like kind of like a great company that you've like been with your whole career and you know you've built in you've built up your 401k with with God for heaven uh, no uh, see God God did not design us to live in a church service and a never-ending church service and that's not what heaven's going to be Jesus didn't die on the cross to send us to a never to a church service that never ends no uh, God always when he birthed us and designed us and created us God always pre-planned a place in the world for each and every one of us, just like our own little Eden. And he always gave, and he always gives us useful work to do. Uh, Adam and Eve had a garden they needed to till and tend. Uh, and hope for a better future. God wanted us to have all of that. And he wants his kids to have all of that. And so he really, really, really had a good idea. And he really wants us to live and dwell in that because God knows as humans we need useful work to do because he built us that way. Who is, who, who is terrified of retirement? Who couldn't be retired if they wanted to? Paul. No. <laughs> no, I couldn't be retired. Jerry, could you be retired? Really? No, 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 no. 
terrifying. Yeah, I just, you know, God didn't make us to be retired. It sounds so terrifying to me, too. It's just, we want useful work to do because we're made in God's image. It just, it gives us so much. And so God knew that, and that's why he gave us this dominion, this dominion mandate to, to be fruitful, multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. And the reason we get to do that is because we are made in God's image, okay? And that's a great story, and if we were Middle Easterners, we would get so much more out of that. But unfortunately, we're not Middle Easterners, so uh, we're Greeks. We think of the world in different ways. And when I tell you we're made in the image of God, who thinks of a thing or an attribute or a quality? Godness. Who thinks we have godness somehow? You're not, you're not a heretic. We're made in the image of God. Maybe it's intelligence. Maybe it's uh, the ability to love. I don't know. Because we're Greek, we often think of the image of God as a beingness or a nounness. We are the image of God, uh, and it's something we are. And because we're the image of God, if we read this passage clearly, we have rights and powers God gave us to rule the earth and subdue it and strip mine it, and deforest it, and chop down all its trees, and recreate it in our image. Uh, that's traditionally been the Western European understanding of things. Uh, and that has led to lots of things. You can hear it, you know, the divine right of kings. I am the king. God chose me to be the king, so you have to do what I say. That kind of kept the Middle Age Europe forever for years. Because the king was just saying, I'm more the image of God than anyone else is. I'm the image of God plus bonus. Uh, and a lot of people see that and it leads to exploration. The earth needs to be put under the dominion of God and we need to go explore it or mine it or whatever. Or sometimes you hear husbands say this, I am the husband. Husband, I am the husband. God made me the man, you have to do what I say. Do husbands still say that anymore? I don't know. Maybe they used to. I'm not sure. That, maybe they didn't in the olden days either, but we get told in class these days that, that that's how it used to be. Uh, but and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, is that all there is here? Uh, that's when we start to be focused on our rights and our privileges and our powers because we are the image of God and that's our place or our station, when you start thinking of place and station and hierarchy... That's, those are power-based relationships, and that's completely missing the point of this. Because the Hebrew here isn't God made us in the image of God. We are not made in the image of God as if the image of God is something we have or something we are. This is a verb here. The image of God is something we do. Uh, it's better translated the way we would think of it in modern languages. Let us make God as our own image, to be our image. Let him image. Image is a verb. We are imagers of God. You, you do not have the image of God. You are not the image of God. You are the imager of God. You are an active, functional thing. Okay. The image of God is a functional verb, not a noun of hierarchy or place or position or, 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 or essence. And because you do image God, you image God whether you want to or not. Whether you're a Christian walking in obedience, just lifted along by the Holy Spirit into making the world a better place, or whether you are just walking in rebellion to the Holy Spirit, doing your own thing, or whether you're a backslidden Christian, or whether you're not even a Christian at all, you image God as a human being no matter what you do. 
you communicate to the rest of the world, to the animals, to the people, to yourself, to others, your family, you communicate what God is like. Okay? That's how God made it. That didn't go away. That's just how God made it. Now, unfortunately, sometimes we image, sometimes we lie about God by how we treat other people. Sometimes we tell them that God doesn't love them by how we treat them. Sometimes we tell them God only loves them if they do what we like. Sometimes we treat them like they have to earn our love or respect. Remember, guys understand love is respect. You can say you love a guy all you want or a human male all you want, but unless you treat him with respect, you don't really love him. Uh, and Because guys don't understand and don't feel love without being respected. But that's, just, that's for another sermon. But as an imager of God, because, imager, because, being an, because the image of God is a functional verb, you are an imager of God. You have, it's not so much about your rights or your position or your authority. I know we love to hear about kingdom authority. Yeah, you have kingdom authority to die on a cross in submission to your enemies because you love them. Wow, that's some kingdom authority right there. Yeah, I don't want that kingdom authority. That sounds painful. Uh, no, but this is not about your rights and privileges and responsibilities. I'm not even sure Christians have rights, to be honest. Uh, but you do have a burden and a responsibility as an imager of God. You have a burden and responsibility to the world and the people around you in it. We are called to love and to serve because when Jesus came to earth, he he imaged God perfectly, just like each and every one of us need to do. So, first, we have been given dominion. I'm not denying we've been given dominion, but our understanding of dominion has been tainted by sin, and it's very hierarchical and power-based and a little dysfunctional. And the beauty of Christ is that he shows us what it's like to image God in fullness and in power and in authority, but also in perfect, in perfect love, in service to the people and world around him. Uh, and the 50 years ago, I wouldn't have needed to give this next point, but uh, God, God's image is masculine and feminine, okay? Uh, men and women image God differently, all right? Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say more than that. I'm just saying we do. Uh, now, this masculine and feminine aspect, I'm not saying God is masculine and feminine because I don't know. I'm not there. <laughs> I'll tell you in heaven. Uh, what I can say is wondering if God is masculine and feminine is kind of an irrelevant question. It doesn't matter what he is in heaven apart from his creation. I do seem to think that, I do notice that Masculine and feminine seems to be more part of the created order and not the heavenly order, but he knew what he was doing in making us this way. Uh, and it doesn't matter what God's beingness is. Oh, he's God. Is he male? Is he female? It doesn't matter what he is, because what God is, asking a question about God's gender, that's a Greek question that nobody in the Bible would ever think to ask or care about. Because remember, our Hebrew Bible is all about functionality. And I can tell you that God functions. His functional image, God functions 
as masculine and male, okay? So his relationship to us is completely and thoroughly 100% male, okay? We're, in, we're the female in the relationship, for lack of a better term. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, God is the one masculine to which everything in the created order is feminine. Uh, he, is, he is the first mover and the actor, we are the reactor. Uh, he is active, we are passive. That's just the nature of it. And this is really, really important because I really think there's so much confusion these days going on because we don't know what it means to be made in God's image as masculine, sorry, male and female, he created them. Those aren't the words for biological male and biological female there. Those are the words for masculine and feminine. Of course, when you're masculine, you're a biological male. When you're feminine, you're a biological female. But God is saying that goes down to the deepest core of your being, to the deepest fiber of who you are, okay? And what I've noticed is a lot of, because of just the fallen world we live into and the messages we get at school or in the media, a lot of people don't look at their masculinity as a positive God-given gift, okay? A lot of men don't look at their masculinity as a positive God-given gift. And a lot of women don't look at their femininity as a positive God-given gift. It's just like, well, this is something I got stuck with when I was born. I might as well make it work for me. And that is sad because the devil is robbing you of one of the greatest gifts God gave you in making you in his image as a male imager, a masculine male imager, or as a female feminine imager. And God put his blessing on this. And the reason for this, of course, is we're not reading the Bible, or the Bible's not renewing our minds to think. Uh, too many people in this modern world don't read their Bible enough to understand that this gender, this masculineness or feminineness, your maleness or your femaleness, goes all the way to the deepest core of your being, into your soul, into your heart and soul as an image of God. You are as much a male or a female on the inside in your soul as you are in the outside in your body, okay? A bird doesn't fly because it has wings. <laughs> a bird has wings because it flies, okay? Your physical body's gender distinctions are not, you're not a man or a woman because of the external gender of your body's physical form. Your physical form is that way because in your created image of God, you are either masculine male or female feminine. And for, some, for the last 400 years, because of a bunch of pagan Greek philosophers or pagan Renaissance philosophers, too many Christians don't even know they don't really believe that and understand it. Too many Christians think, I was born as a human soul. I'm primarily a human soul inside this body that happens to have a gender. That's what we get taught in school. That's what we get taught in social media. That's what we just absorb in the milk or the Kool-Aid we drink without even realizing it. But for the last 400 years, we have been taught as Western human beings to think of ourselves as, see, I just said it, as human, I didn't say men or women, I said human beings, okay? No, we have been taught to think as men or women made in the image of God, that we are basically human souls to be saved or damned, stuck inside either a male body or a female body. And that is a very dangerous, heretical, pagan, Greek, Gnostic way of thinking. 
Who's ever heard of Rene Descartes? Okay. Whoever, who hasn't heard of Rene Descartes? Okay. Who had to graph lines in algebra class in high school? That guy that made that X and Y axis, that was him. It's called a Cartesian coordinate system, okay? Who's ever heard, I think, before, I think, therefore, I am? Okay, yeah, yeah, that was a really dumb idea, okay? <laughs> because what he started in thought, in Western thought, yeah, I know it's all intellectual and philosophical, but it actually gets dumbed down to us masses. What he thought, he's the guy that started this idea that we're a human soul who thinks, and therefore we are. When you say, therefore, I am, you're saying... Who, God self-identifies as I am. His name, Yahweh, is I am, okay? So when you say, therefore, I am, I exist, you're saying, whether he realized it or not, he's saying, therefore, I am the image of God. And Rene Descartes changed the attitude and world for all of Western civilization, and this is why we have the gender confusion we have today, by the way, is because he said, I think, therefore, I am in the image of God, therefore, I am. No, <laughs> We were made in the image of God, male and female, therefore we are. Because he's the one that made us just a ghost in the machine. He's the one that made us just believe somehow that we were just born with this genderless human soul that's neither masculine or feminine. And then we were just put inside a body. And when we die, we will leave the body and go up to heaven where we'll somehow be this genderless human soul again. No. You were made male or female on the inside and the outside. God did not make a mistake, and that is a gift from him, okay? And this matters because your gender and living in harmony to that gender and imaging God in that gender is, goes to the deepest of who you are and your calling on this earth, and you need to walk in fullness of that to be, to be a Christian living... For God, one, but just to be a happy, well-adjusted human being. And the reason I harp on this point is because when we think of Christmas and the incarnation, Jesus was not born human. Jesus was born male. Not just man, male. Jesus was born male. I mean, think about it. That's why they killed him. I mean... All he did was go around inserting himself into situations and nice, comfortable environments and mansplaining to everyone stuff they didn't want to hear. You don't get much more masculine than that. <laughs> you know, they're like, who asked you? Why are you even here? Okay, Jesus was male on the inside and on the outside, and he went around exercising the dominion that God gave him. He went around bearing fruit with his teaching, bearing fruit and creating newness of life in the hearts and souls of all the humans, not all, but in, in the humans around him who received his word, who received his seed and bore fruit. And he, Jesus showed us what true headship is and what true masculinity is and what true power and authority is. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because Jesus and God, with the incarnation, showed us that this dominion and power to go around and subdue, it's not about position or domination or exploitation. Jesus showed us that going around and actively engaging people to bear fruit in their hearts and minds. Jesus was the most thoroughly masculine person you could possibly imagine. 
And he showed that you could do that without exploitation or control or coercion. And we need to see that because our, we, we need the incarnation of Christ more than ever. Because if we understand how he walked in pure masculine fullness and control and power and authority without dominating or exploiting or coercing, it's going to change how we relate, not just as men or as women, but how we relate as teachers or as CEOs or as world travelers. It's going to change how we treat the environment that we've been called and given to 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 have dominion over, but to take care of. It's going to treat how we parent our kids or how we love our spouse. We're not going to colonize the natives or strip mine or frack the earth because we understand that we are made in the image of God as masculine and feminine, and we, especially men, we need to reflect what dominion, power, and authority in Christ looks like. And that's why we need Jesus to come be born of a virgin more than ever because he shows us what a man is and therefore that shows us how to be human and to live in response to him and God. I know this was an unconventional uh, Christmas message but I hope you see now why, G- why God having to become human in the, in the male person of Jesus Christ was more important than we ever realized and how a healthy Biblical understanding of yourself as a male soul or a human soul in a male body or human body is a desperately lacking or belief under siege that we don't even really think about in our current time today. And I please want you to walk in that and live in fullness of that. And this altar call is actually for people who, whether they realized it or not, didn't understand that they're maleness or their femaleness, their masculinity or their femininity wasn't just part of their body, but also part of their internal human soul. The altar is open for you. The altar is also open for you if you never saw your masculine or femininity as a gift from God to be embraced and empowered and walked in. Far too many Christians walk around feeling weak or damaged, feeling impotent or like damaged goods, and then they wallow in sin and discouragement because they don't realize that no matter what's happened to them, that's not what God called him to be, and that's not why, why he made them and made all of them for. The altar is open. The deacons will be here to pray with you and or myself. God bless you, men and women in Christ, masculine and feminine human beings in Christ.